consider this time of the year, just in case you didn't know, Christmas is only 20 days away. I just thought I'd help perpetuate that everywhere you turn around. It's only so many Saturdays until, well, it's 20 days until. What amazes me during this time of the year is we find ourselves moving closer to Christmas is the people's attitude and thoughts and statements regarding the one whom we celebrate uh, at this time of the year. It's interesting to hear different ones speak about, oh yeah, we believe he was born. There's no doubt in our minds he was born. The problem is, the difficulty is, is who was he? Who was this one that was born in the flesh? Emmanuel being interpreted God with us. Was he born in the flesh? Yes, he was. He's called the incarnate Christ. The one who came because it was required, it was necessary. Not as an afterthought with God. But this was something that was in the beginning Matter of fact, the scripture talks about Jesus Christ as the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. The redemptive plan of man put in place by God himself. Why? Because of his great love for us. So who is he? So who is this Christ? Who is this Jesus that was born in the city of Bethlehem? The Colossians, if you take your Bibles and turn with me to Colossians chapter 2, where we will be this morning, the Colossians, the church at Colossae, was not void of false teachers. As a matter of fact, there were three different avenues of false teaching that they had to contend with. And then there was the truth. There is a lot of false teaching today that permeates the world that we live in and the culture that we live in. But let me say this to you this morning. There is only one truth, and that's Jesus Christ himself. Thus, understanding and coming to clarity when Jesus spoke in John chapter 14 and verse 6 when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. There's only one. Is it exclusive? Yes. Is there only one way to get to the presence of the Father for all of eternity? There's only one way. And that's through the one that is born in Bethlehem. The Lion in the tribe of Judah, just as the Old Testament prophets said it would happen. Micah chapter 5 and verse number 2 that prophesied its birth. In Bethlehem, Ephrata, as the book of Isaiah, in great detail, gave us a description of, of who this one would be. The root of David that would spring up. This one, Jesus Christ, who was in fact born in the city of Bethlehem. Did not come just to live a mere moral life on the face of the earth not just as a mere teacher of truth but as the Christ the Messiah the son of the living God the one who would 
offer up his own life. No one took it. Jesus himself said, I willingly laid down my life because if the power was not given to you to conduct this trial and what was taking place as he spoke to Pilate, we wouldn't be here. But Jesus died on the cross of Calvary just as it was prophesied that it would occur hung between two thieves outside of the city hung between two transgressors Jesus Christ hung there innocent having no sin in his life at all and then after the crucifixion placed inside of a borrowed tomb not his not a family tomb but a borrowed tomb and oh by the way just as the scripture said that it would occur placed inside of a borrowed tomb but three days later just as Jesus had told them you can tear down this temple but in three days I'm going to raise it back up oh wait a minute it took over this number of years in order for the temple to be built and yet you claim that in three days if it's torn down that you're going to build the thing back up and of course Jesus speaking of his own body there and by the power of God three days later he walked forth out of the tomb in a bodily resurrection and then ascended to the right hand of the father where he sits today making intercession for you and I that is the truth of the gospel that's what it is the church at Colossae on the other hand Paul as he shares with them to try to encourage their hearts to the truth of the gospel to try to make sure that they understood in, in light of everything that they were being told oh by the way it's Jesus Christ plus this this and this or it doesn't really matter at the end of the day we're all going to get there anyway matter of fact because God is a God of love at the end of the day we're all going to make it did Jesus Christ die? Yes. Are there other religions out there today that believe in the resur or believe in the death of Jesus Christ or the crucifixion of Jesus Christ? They do. But here's the problem: they don't believe in the resurrection. You have no gospel without the resurrection. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter number one said, "If Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead." And you and I have no hope today. Absolutely none. But he did rise. You know, no one. Paul's love for the church is never questioned. Matter of fact, when you go and you read Paul's letters, you find that Paul's love for the church was paramount in his life. Matter of fact, there was nothing any more important to Paul than the gospel. The gospel was what drove Paul every single day after the experience on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter number 9 when Jesus Christ and Paul came face to face known as Saul at that time before his name was changed before he was referred to as Paul but on the road to Damascus when he met Jesus Christ his life was forever changed and I will say this to you today when you meet Jesus Christ face to face and you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ and you become a born again child of God your life is forever changed it's never the same 
Why? Because it's the gospel. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, Paul said, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It has the power to change any life. I don't care who you are. Because it's the power of the gospel. Paul's love for the church is never called into question. Matter of fact, when you look at Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 1, notice as Paul writing to the church in Colossae said, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea. As a matter of fact, Paul is talking about the churches in the Lycus Valley here, of which he also includes Laodicea as well as Colossae and that group of churches that are there. Writing specifically to the church at Colossae, he also includes the church at Laodicea. He said, for all of those who have not personally seen my face, in other words, those that I have not seen or had the opportunity to meet face to face, I want you to know today how much concern I have for you and who you are. And as a church, Paul loved the church. Now, I don't know about you. Even in all of its difficulties and in all of those things that we find that are going on today, I will say this emphatically from here. I love the church. Why? Because of God. That's why. Where do we meet today? Where do we gather today? In the church. For the purpose of doing what? Encouraging each other. Fellowshipping with one another. Studying the word of God together. To worship together. To corporately come together. To pray. To intercede on behalf of others. All of those things that requires us to gather together as a family here. To encourage one another. Writer of the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 talks about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is but even so much the more as we see the day approaching my dear friend as we consider the world that we live in today i don't know about you but i i i, I love coming to church I, I just love being here let me tell you why i love being around believers i love being around those who read and study the word of god that was paul that was Paul. Even in all of the difficulties of the church, Paul's love for the church was never called into question. But as you come to Colossians chapter number 2, and as we make our way to verse number 2, Paul shares that love and concern for the believers that were in the church at Colossae. To do what? To strengthen them to stand against the rise in false teaching. Look at verse number 2 that their hearts may be encouraged. That word encouraged is an interesting word because it, it also means to be strengthened. To be strengthened, to be encouraged. For their hearts to be encouraged and strengthened. Let me tell you something. My prayer for you today is based upon the truth of the Word of God. For your hearts to be encouraged and strengthened today, don't ever think for a moment that the church is finished because it's not. Now, I don't care what you think. 
and all of its difficulties and all of the other things that we experience and see taking place in the church today I can say this emphatically to you this morning from the word of God the church is not finished you say well how can you say that because Jesus Christ has not returned yet that's why do we still have a task to accomplish we do Paul's wanting the church at Colossae to stand strong, to be encouraged in the truth. Is the truth exclusive? Sure it is. It's found only in Jesus Christ. But there's something else that he says about this strengthened heart. As you go on in verse number two, not only to be that their hearts may be encouraged, but notice this next part having been knit together in what in love having been knit together in love let me tell you something that comes as a result of the encouraging the strengthening of the heart because as the heart is encouraged and strengthened in the things of the lord guess what love's going to come as a part of that what kind of love do we have what kind of love do we have as a church family and I can say this to you this morning. I've heard it over and over again about this church and, and the love this church has for each other. And, and you can see it and you can sense it when you come in the doors of the church. But let me share something with you this morning. Don't ever take that for granted. It is something that you must guard. And as we're strengthened in the things of the Lord and as we're encouraged in the things of the Lord and our heart is encouraged and strengthened, then that love is going to come as a result of it. Because our love for each other and our love seen for each other, we hurt with each other, we laugh with each other, we cry with each other, we serve with each other, we serve alongside of each other. Because let me share something with you. I don't know about you, but we might as well practice here what we're going to be spending and doing throughout all of eternity, spending all of eternity together. And people say, well, yeah, but here's what's going to happen. We're all going to be changed one day. We're not going to be this way. Not going to be what way? Can we still seek to please and honor God and to walk and live the way that we should and to practice what we should be you know one of the things we haven't done in a while around here but I'm getting ready to start it back anybody know what it is some folks are already shaking their head like this let me tell you what it is the time in the service where we have an opportunity to greet each other when's the last time you've done that huh When's the last time you've done that? Guess what we're getting ready to do? Are you ready? This is an application-based message this morning. So we're going to practice application, okay? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand where you are. Do not turn to the person beside of you, which is your immediate family. But I want you to turn behind you or across the aisle, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to greet each other, okay? In the name of the Lord. Go ahead, guests and all. 
because we're here. It's so good to see y'all this morning. We're so glad you're here. Praise the Lord. All right, now that I have lost total control, I'm going to ask you to be seated. Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all enjoyed that time? Paul comes to the next part of verse number 2. He seeks that they experience all the wealth that they have in Jesus Christ. In the full assurance that they have in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Notice the next part of verse number 2. And attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding. You know, God has such a desire for us in our lives but so many struggle with their life as a Christian because of a lack of assurance in in your relationship with him. Do you have a relationship with him today? Let me ask you that question. Is Is it a relationship without any doubts as to who he is? The wealth that comes from a full assurance of knowing him. You know, I... As I read and study the Word of God, especially in the book of Romans, it talks about all of those things that we have as being a child of God. Have you ever considered what you have? Here comes the wealth, okay? Are you ready for this? When He saved us, He gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us the Holy Spirit. We've been called to live a life, a supernatural life, that in the flesh we cannot do. And so God knew that, so guess what he did? He gave us the Holy Spirit to help us. Number two, if the Holy Spirit's not enough, here's the other thing that he gave us. He gave us his word. He gave us the word of God to read and study it each and every day so that we know how we ought to live. The book of Proverbs got 31 chapters in it. Probably one of the most practical books in all of the Bible when it comes to living life every day, and there's a chapter for every day. And uh, guess what? It also includes those months that have 31 days. You say, well, what do you do if the month's only got 28 days or, or it's only got 30 days or it's got 31 days? Pick one or two chapters and read them twice. Huh? You want to know what it means to to live in in light of where we are today? Read Paul's letters. His letter to the church at Corinth, to Galatia, to Ephesus, to Philippi, to Colossae. Just go read his letters. As Paul talks about living our lives each day. And see, without this assurance... Without this assurance in our lives, we as believers will never experience all that is ours in Christ. You know, you hear this peace that passes all understanding. Let me tell you something. It's true. Because there's a peace and contentment that comes into your heart in knowing this relationship that you have with God the Father through Jesus Christ. 
And that full assurance that comes into our lives for who we are, it passes all understanding. The peace that passes all understanding. And the contentment to lay your head down on your pillow at night and know that if I close my eyes on this side, when I open them again, I will open them in His presence. I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing. Listen, there is no greater wealth. No greater wealth than to have that full assurance of knowing Jesus Christ and who he is. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Paul says, listen, he said, here's what I want you to see. He said, I want your hearts to be encouraged, knit together in love, attaining to all of the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding. And then look at the last part of verse number two, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself. In light of the heresy, Paul stressed the need for the Colossians to have a settled conviction about what? About the deity and the sufficiency of Christ. Let me ask you a question this morning. Is he all sufficient? Sure he is. Do you believe that? I hope you do. Because let me share something with you. Because he is. (laughs) There is nothing else. Absolutely nothing else that, that can ever add to, that could ever could ever give us what is needed except through Jesus Christ himself. See, the heretics of of the day that Paul is writing this letter to the church at Colossae, one of the things that Paul wanted them to understand and encourage their hearts with, they needed nothing else beside Jesus Christ. And today, let me t- in, in light of where we are today, and I'm going to tell you something, it's a crying shame today that there's a debate with inside of evangelical Christian circles as to whether or not the Word of God is all-sufficient or not. It is a sad day that we find ourselves in. Because I will tell you, it is all-sufficient for everything that we need today. We don't need anything else. We don't need any philosophical. We don't need any other... Uh, deeper writings we don't need any of the other thoughts of the Gnostics that it's based upon the mystery of this secret knowledge that also is required in order for you to ever attain a place of eternal presence with God himself we don't need any of that from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation there is nothing else needed there is nothing else required it is all sufficient in all that it contains Jesus Christ himself there is no other you need no other none at all and you're wondering why in the world is Paul trying to to encourage listen if it was present in Paul's day in writing this letter to the church at Colossae let me ask you a question is it prevalent in the world that we live in today is there false teachers today are you ready for this That false teaching is beginning to make its way into and inside of evangelical Christian churches today. It's concerning for me. So here comes the question this morning that we all have to answer. 
do we live our lives today in affirmation to the sufficiency of Jesus Christ? Do we? How many of y'all are control freaks? Any, any control freaks in here? How many, of y'all, how many of y'all like to have control of everything? Anybody? How many of y'all like to have plan A, plan B, plan C, and plan D? And so if plan A doesn't make it, then you just go to B. And if B doesn't make it, you go to C. And if C doesn't make it, you go to D. And then when you get to D, then you begin to ask God, said, God, I don't know what went wrong, um, but I'm not quite sure where to go from here. Do we live our lives as if there is the all-sufficiency that is necessary to live life today in God himself? There ought to be. So how should we start it? Now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm one of those. I like everything to be in nice little squares, okay? And I will tell you, here's what happens. When you start to mix all of those things up, I, I just lose control. I'll just tell you, okay? I lose control. Matter of fact, the staff here sometimes calls. They, 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 they try to tell me that I'm OCD. I don't know where they get that from. Matter of fact, it wasn't too long ago I walked by something, and Andrew was there, and Marvin was there, and I think, and, well, anyway, I walked by, and I just adjusted something. Marvin said, I knew he was going to do that. <laughs> See, y'all are all laughing at me. I, how many of you out there are that way? Huh? But here's what Paul is wanting them to see and understand. And if I could encourage your hearts with this today, church, listen to me. He is all sufficient. The Word of God is all sufficient. That's my amen corner again over there. He is all sufficient. So let me ask you a question. Let me ask you another question. Let me ask it to you this way. So why was Paul so concerned that the Colossians were settled in their hearts? Well, the answer is actually found in verse 4. Look at verse 3 and verse 4. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. But verse 4, I say this so that no one will delude you or deceive you with pervasive I hear people say this all the time, but they've got such a good, strong argument. Folks, please listen to me. Don't ever doubt this. Don't ever doubt this. Was this just a struggle at Galatia? I mean, uh, at Colossae? I just gave it away. No, it was also a struggle at the church at Galatia. Matter of fact, turn with me to Galatians chapter 1. And I want you to notice verse 6 through verse 10. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 through verse 10. I'm not OCD. See, I hear from the corner over there, double OCD. Galatians chapter 1, notice verse 6 through verse 10. 
Paul writing the church in Galatia, and I want you to notice what he's telling them. I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. Which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be what? Accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. For Notice what Paul asked next. Or am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. In other words, Paul said, if I were trying to please men, I would not be doing what I'm doing now. I would not be doing what I'm doing now. So is our desire to please men or is our desire to please God? That's the question. And my dear friend, we were talking about this in Sunday school this morning, and I can share this with you. Every single week, every time I preach or teach, I am preaching and teaching to an audience of one. You say, Brother Robert, what are you talking about? If it is not pleasing to the Father, if it is not pleasing in what He has called me to do, then I need to quit. Do we believe the Word of God, that it's all-sufficient? Do we believe that Jesus Christ is all-sufficient? And Paul goes on as we go back to Colossians chapter number 2. And we see verse number 5. For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. It's interesting, he uses two military terms there in verse 5. Well, I'll tell you what, I remember when I remember the military spent 14 years there. Are you ready for this? Never had to never had to worry when I got up on the morning to go to work I never had to worry about what to wear never matter of fact I knew what I had to wear every single day matter of fact they were already hung up in the closet okay I knew what shoes to wear <laughs> knew what uniform to wear okay knew all of those things every single day I never will forget when I got to basic training. Paul uses the phrase here as he talks about this discipline. One of the things that is absolutely critical and crucial in the military is discipline. It's discipline. Discipline is key. Because you never know when you find yourself in the middle of a difficult situation, you need to know that the ones that are there with you are going to be there with it through you and with you through it all you just had to know that and so that discipline I, matter of fact I can remember standing at 5.30 in the morning 
standing outside before we've even eaten anything. After we've been run downstairs from upstairs during basic training, and I've got one of the TIs standing right here in my ear, and he is at about 85 decibels that you weren't fast enough. And, every, and, and deep inside of you, you wanted to turn to him and say, let me see you do it. But you couldn't. Let me tell you what they're trying to do. They're doing nothing more than instilling discipline in you. They've got to get you to the place. They've got to get you to the point that you understand who you are and who they are. And are there levels of authority? There are. But he also says, and he talks about the stability, the stability that comes from that discipline that is a part of it. And so Paul said, For even though I'm absent in body, nevertheless I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. It was firm. It was there. It was stable. Paul said, I rejoice to see that. Let me tell you something. There was nothing nothing that stirred the heart of Paul more than anything else than to know that the church was involved in the gospel. And the right gospel, which was key. Then he comes to verse 6. And Paul said, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, and guess what he just said, so walk in him. So walk in him. Just like Paul wrote to the church at Galatia, he says, if you live in the Spirit, then walk in the Spirit. So if you know him, then walk in him. Our desire every day in our life should be to walk in Him. Let me tell you something. It's hard to walk in somebody's path that you don't know. It's hard to walk in the path of someone or to walk in a path in a direction that you need to walk if you don't know that path that you need to walk. Well, how do you find out? How do you determine where you need to walk in the path that you need to walk? Are you ready for this? It is here. It is here in the Word of God. I know you get tired of hearing me say this over and over and over again. You need to read and study the Word of God every single day. I make no apologies about that. Let me ask you a question. Do you eat? No, I better not ask that. No, I'll go ahead and ask it. How many of y'all go three or four days and never eat anything? Why would we go three or four days or a week or a month and never spiritually eat on the Word of God? Verse 6 through verse 7, Paul deals with being firmly rooted in who? Look at verse 7. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith just as you were instructed. And look at the next one. And overflowing with what? With gratitude. Do you overflow with gratitude? 
or do you sink with omitude? We should overflow with gratitude. Why? When we consider all that we have in Christ. Our hearts should overflow with gratitude. Let me tell you what that comes as. That that comes as a result of believers established in their faith. You know, you hear me say this all the time, and I and I know it kind of becomes a big deal around here. You know, but I know that 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 I know. There's no doubt in my mind or heart is to the truth and the sufficiency of Scripture and of Jesus Christ, and I know where I'm going when I die. Say, how can you say that? Because it's built and placed on the promise of God Himself. Are you ready for this? God does not lie. God is not slow concerning His promises. Some men count slackness. But His long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to what? Repentance. And there is no other way except walking in Christ. We used to drill. Um, used to have to go out on the pad. We had drill times out on the pad for hours. Okay, And there was a very specific dedicated path that we were required to walk. And I tell you, we had some guys, we had some guys in basic training. I, I, I'm going to tell you something. When, when, you, when you marched, it was just difficult for them. Okay? Because a lot of them, this is the way they marched. Okay? And when you're looking out across the, the unit, okay, you could see them. They're going up and down. Everybody else is, you know, everybody else is, is, walk, is marching like this. Okay? See, I can still do it. Are you ready for this? Okay. I mean, I, I can still do it. Okay? To the left flank, hearts. Okay? So, see, I remember all of that still after all of these years. Paul says, Paul says, we're to walk in him. To follow him in a very distinct path. There is no other. There is no other way. There is no other direction. If we're firmly rooted in Christ, built up in him, Established in our faith, are you ready for this? We will absolutely overflow with gratitude to God. We just will. We just will. I, I'm looking forward to being with Him. I, I mean, I can't wait. But also understanding and realizing the task that we have here and how important it is. So I guess if I were to to summarize everything Paul has written here, here it is. A grounded in the Word, growing, walking with Christ. Grateful from a humble heart. We will not be led astray. We will not be led 
astray. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for the Apostle Paul. Father, I just thank you for, for all you do for us. Father, words could never begin, never begin to thank you enough. And Father, when I consider in my own life where you brought me from and where I'm headed today, May my heart always be. May it always flow. May it always overflow with gratitude. Father, I pray for that one that struggles in life every day, who's trying to find an answer for the chaotic world that we live in today, for the sense of hopelessness that is there, Father, my prayer is this morning that the Holy Spirit would bring conviction in their heart whether physically here in this building or watching online this morning. Father, may they see. May they be able to, to see their need of a Savior. Father, may they realize their position before a holy God today dead in trespasses and sin condemned already there is only one hope and that's in Jesus Christ and in him alone Father may they see and understand that today and then Father I pray for others who have decisions to make in their own lives. And Father, I pray that they would look to you. I pray that we would be obedient to whatever it is that you've called us to do. And Father, we place this time of the service into your hands this morning, praying that your perfect will be done through it all. May your word accomplish what you intend in our hearts today. May we glorify you in all that we say and do. We ask all of this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand together with me. Brother Ed's going to come lead us this morning. If you have a decision, a choice to make today, God has spoken to your heart either concerning salvation, maybe it's church membership, desiring God's leading you to join us here at Ascension Baptist Church. This is the time this morning for you to do so. So as we begin to sing, uh, as Brother Red leads us, whatever it is that God has laid on your heart today, won't you be obedient to Him and step out and uh, take that first step and let Him walk the rest of the way with you this morning, Brother Red. Oh, to Jesus I surrender.
surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender. Humbly at His feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus. Take me. Thank you for your attention this morning. Uh, let me encourage your hearts about tonight at 6 o'clock as we've been dealing with uh, the early church. Uh, tonight I'm going to deal with a couple of things. And um, just in light of some of the things that are taking place uh, right now in the world, uh, I'm going to deal with a couple of those uh, tonight. Uh, some things coming out of Israel just recently, some other things that are taking place. I'm going to deal with them in light of even the church today and where we are. So I would encourage you uh, to, to, to be back tonight at 6 o'clock as we talk about those things and just to share some things and enlighten your heart and mind with some things that we need to be in prayer about. Oh, yeah, we have the offering to take. Don't forget about the offering. We worship through giving, okay? And so at this time, you can uh, be seated, and I believe Andrew's going to come pray. Brother, you should have come on, okay? <laughs> Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you um, just for everything that you've given us. God, that as we are in this Christmas season, we are reminded that you gave us a gift that we certainly didn't deserve, God, so that we could be re reunited to you. So, Father, we pray that during this time of worship through giving, God, that our worship would be pleasing to you, God, that our gifts and our offerings and our tithes would go to further your kingdom, God, to make your name great. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
uh, stand together. We'll be dismissed in order of prayer. I do need to share one uh, specific prayer request with you. Please just keep Miss Donna Io in your prayers. Uh, they are bringing Ronnie back uh, home with hospice. And uh, yesterday, well, you're supposed to have been this morning, but he had not. They had had some difficulty getting him back. So, uh, but if they were supposed to have gotten him at 10 o'clock this morning and brought him back, but I have not heard a confirmation of that yet. But let's remember uh, them in our prayers as well. All right? So let's be dismissed in a word of prayer, and we will go. Hope you have a wonderful afternoon. Look forward to seeing you again tonight. And as we're dismissed in prayer this morning, Brother Keith Rush, uh, would you dismiss us, please?